Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Y'all can have a seat, man. Oh my gosh, I feel so embarrassed. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And it's always an honor. I'm so honored to be here. And, uh, you know, this is probably the most special church to me. And the reason being is because Pastor Omar and Sister Letty received us in the lowest point of our life in pastoring. We had no pasture. Uh, we had a, a church, uh, no headship. And uh, we came in connection with Pastor Omar and Letty, and, and they received us. He goes, yeah, I guess we'll take you, man. <laughs> and so, praise God that they did. And, uh, and uh, it was a great privilege when we were here. Uh, we left here in 2019, yeah, 2019, and uh, started pastoring in Puyallup. And I want to tell you, Puyallup is on fire. My God, dude, it is, it is off the chain. So the church has been going for two years, two and a half years, because uh, the first year we just really scouted the land and just enjoyed life for a little bit. And uh, we've been going for about two, two and a half years. And uh, we, we, we got a building, God filled it up, we were able to take down a wall, and that week, and it was just recently, a couple months ago, that week, it was an amazing thing that everything came together, uh, a construction company put the walls up, no charge to us, they just wanted to bless the church, there's such a blessing to the church, uh, and then one of their friends, one of their friends bought carpet for the whole church and recarpeted the whole place. Uh, and then uh, because we removed the wall, the tiles were all off and stuff like that. And, and I'm like, man, what are we going to do? We got church tomorrow. This is Saturday. Everything happened within five days. I am amazed. We took the wall down and, and rebuilt everything in five days. And, and uh, Johnny and Jen are, are up on vacation in the Pacific Northwest up in uh, our area. And Johnny happens to come to our church and I'm showing him everything. And he looks up and goes, what's going on up there, Pastor? I'm like, yeah, we got to figure out how to get this uh, going. He goes, that's what I used to do. And he jumps up there and begins to put it. So thank you so much, Johnny. That was, uh, that was awesome, man. We, we so uh, appreciate him, man. That was, he doesn't think it's a big deal. It was such a big deal. There was going to be holes in our, our ceiling. And uh, I mean, but God's timing was so perfect. And so, and so that Sunday, the back is, is getting full. And then from now on, it's just been growing and growing and growing. And, and so now we're trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do next? And, uh, and I was telling Pastor Omar, too, that I just recently got an opportunity to, to minister at a Ukrainian church. And I was able to do the Good Friday service that you guys do here on a Thursday night there. And I want to tell you, they were blown away. They were just, uh, and so God, we serve a mighty God. And, and we serve a mighty God. But here's the thing. You got to believe that he's a mighty God. You got to believe in your heart that all things are possible to them that believe. And I want to tell you, you, as a Christian, you have to start thinking big. You can't compartmentalize God. You got to let him out and say, God, you know what? You are God. I'm ready to do. I'm ready to allow you to do whatever you want to do in my life. I'm ready, God. What do you want me to do? What will you have me to do? And so how many ready, man? I'm, I'm ready. I feel the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, it's a... Now, now, here's the way I function. I feed off of you guys. All right, so 
So, so we're going to get down tonight. We're going to get down tonight. Ronald Reagan once said, some people spend an entire lifetime wondering if they made a difference in the world. But the Marines don't have that problem. <laughs> so as you can tell, I was, a, I was a Marine. But here's the problem. Is that in the Marine Corps, I still was wondering if I was making an impact. I was still lost. I was still trying to find myself. I was still trying to fit in the world somewhere. I thought becoming a Marine, you know, being tough and, and going around the world that was going to change my entire life. But I was still lost. I was still empty. I, I didn't know my identity. I mean, no, people will go their entire lives not knowing, really knowing who they are. Can I tell you something worse? That there's Christians that will sit in a church uh, their entire salvation, uh, never knowing uh, what to do or how to make an impact. They have some of the greatest preaching in the world, and yet they never step out and believe God for greater things. See, I think a lot of people have lost their identity. Who am I? And you will never have the question answered until you come to the realization of answering the same questions that the disciples had to answer for themselves. In Matthew chapter 16, and that's not the, the main scripture, main scripture is Joshua 1, but in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, it says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am, the son of man am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And what I, what I want to tell you tonight, church, it doesn't matter what the crowd say. It doesn't matter what your parents say. It doesn't matter what the people next to you say. It's until you come to the realization and you answer that question for yourself when Jesus asks you, who do you say that I am? That when you begin to realize who he is, that's when you begin to find your identity. Your identity is not a, a father or a mother or, or a Christian or this or that. Because how many know mothers get disappointed all the time? Your kid goes astray. All of a sudden now you're a bad mother. Now how many know your identity just was, was broken? Your, your fatherhood was just broken. Your career, your foul bankruptcy, that identity is broken. But how many know our identity in Christ never changes? Because when I'm born again, I know that He loves me. And He said that there's nothing that's going to separate us from the love of Christ. Who am I? Jesus asked him. He says, you're a Messiah. And I want to tell you, it's on that truth. That when you get the revelation of who Jesus is, that you begin to find your identity. And it's in that identity that you begin to find your purpose. You begin to find your meaning. You begin to find destiny and what God wants you to do. It's in that identity that you will find strength and you will find peace and you will find hope. You know why people are hopeless? I mean, the suicide rate has gone, jumped up 4% this year. Doesn't seem like a lot, it doesn't, but it's over 240 people a day committing suicide. No hope. But when you find your identity, you find hope. You know, Mark Twain 
Well, it said there's two important dates in a person's life, the day they were born and the day they find out why. And I want to tell you, it's the same thing in the Christian life. There's two important days, the day you're born again and the day you find out your purpose and why. And I think a lot of people live on just born again. They never step out. They never step out. They never step out. We're good. It's so anointed, I don't have to pray. It's just good. There's, a, there's anointing here. In Ephesians 1.1, 1, 1, Paul had to find this out. You know what's powerful about Ephesians 1.1? 1, 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, uh, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus, and for, for uh, faithfulness in Christ Jesus. Uh, Paul, who was Saul, was the one that was killing disciples. Uh, and yet, when Jesus asked him, who do you say that? Lord, what will you have me to do? How I many know his life changed right there? There was no going back. There was no going back to what he was. He knew that he had to make a cut. He knew he had to make a decision. And it's when you come to the realization of who Jesus is in your personal life that you begin to find yourself. Wow. How many know that's the big thing of life? You got to find yourself. Well, don't go high. You, you, you. <laughs> Dear God. God wants to do something, and he's summoning, summoning you and I to the call of availability, to greatness. Ooh, do y'all hear that? It's not just making yourself available. It's available to greatness. If we do not know who we are, what, will, what we do will not carry any weight. And discovering the Lord's purpose in us must precede the zeal that some people get when they come into the kingdom of God and want to start doing everything. And they get burned out because they didn't find out who he was first. That's how come I don't get on the bandwagon when a celebrity or a rapper or somebody gets saved and they, oh my God, did you, they, had, they had so many people out there. Where are they at now? It's not doing something for God to try to prove yourself. It's knowing who he is first and showing the world it's about him, not about me. You see, when you find your identity in Christ, you begin to realize uh, that uh, who you are really is insignificant outside of Christianity. I need him. You know, one of the greatest scriptures that we need to really get a hold of is, uh, uh, God, without you, I can do nothing. You know, in the world, how many know I can have success? And the kingdom of God is totally different because the Bible says that everything's going to be tried by fire. And there better be some sincerity there, some reality of saying, God, I did this uh, because I fell in love with you. And I fell in love with you because you found me. I was lost, but now I'm found. Uh, and you begin to give me purpose uh, and meaning uh, and begin to use my life. See, our salvation is birthed out of God's love for us, not what we do for him. And once... You know who you are in Christ. Then ministry begins to flow from that. One, we need to know God. And the second one 
You need to get past your, move forward from your past. Okay, I'm going to go on there. I'll get okay, here we go. Joshua chapter 1. Let's get it on. Everybody ready? Y'all ready for this? Y'all got your seatbelts on? We'll get crazy here. Okay, Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. He says, after the death of Moses, people are probably looking at me like, you mean there's, you get crazier than that? Yeah, baby. <clears throat> I even scared a Marine last night. He was, my son had a Marine in his thing. I was like, what's up, motivated? He was like, what the heck? He locked his body up. He thought it was a DI coming out of nowhere. <laughs> he said, dude, you freaked me out, man, because I was getting ready to lock my body up. All right, let's get it. Yeah, after you guys see, I, I feed off of you guys. See? Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. As after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. And I want to really focus this, this evening on possessing your tomorrow. Because how many know you have a tomorrow? I always tell people, you know, uh, uh, you know, there's no tomorrow. Yes, there is a tomorrow. Because how many know if I die tonight, I'm going to wake up in heaven? <laughs> so that my tomorrow is in heaven or here on earth. Okay, so there's some, so I want you to possess your tomorrow tonight and seize the promises that God has in the word of God for you. And there's a pattern in the Word of God that you and I are to follow as we're embracing God in our, in our lives every day. That we're called to move into the new. And you must realize tonight that the past is gone. The Lord wants you and I to possess all that he has for us. But somewhere out in this calling, you and I have to let go of the baggage so he can give us something new in our lives. And begin to reach out in faith and stay the course that he is navigating for us. Okay, everybody get that? See, you can't navigate this course on your own. It's a connection with heaven and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you to be a lamp unto your feet, a light unto your path. I can't make my own path. And I can't follow no one else's path. I have to discover God for myself and he begins to guide me in my path. How I many of oh, my destiny is totally different than Pastor Omar's or Pastor Isaac's or Pastor Rod's? We all have a different, uh, different path that we're taking. Yes, they're all on the way to heaven, but how many know our courses are a little bit different? It's called destiny and purpose. As we do this, we begin to encounter his promises. The problem is, how many know sometimes it's hard to let go of the past? I always bring up my past once in a while. You know, in high school... What y'all laughing at? It wasn't that long ago. <laughs> Dang! <laughs> it was pretty long ago. It was like 30 years ago. Yes, I still can remember that far back. Y'all got issues. I'm offended. <laughs> I remember back in high school that I was being scouted by Michigan State University for football. Wow. 
And I was like, man, it was, I was so excited. That I was like, man, I'm going to go play school in the Division One. And I remember that year, it was my senior year. I was waiting. I was going to get, probably it was, a, I was competing. Was a, I was a punter, though. So let's, I was a receiver and, and a safety, but I was getting scouted for punting. And so I got, I got to put that out there. Hey, I, punters making the NFL, buddy. Come on. Come on. <laughs> And so my hang time was at that level. My distance was at that level. And so I, I was, they, 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 they were scouting me. And um, I remember I was looking for, I was like, oh, man, All-American, man, first team football. I was like, oh, pumped up. And we're practicing first practice. I break my ankle. <laughs> Never heard from the scouts again. But I had my first son. <laughs> changed my course. God sometimes intervenes in our lives. Or he'll use the bad and turn it to the good to direct us into his path. But how many know sometimes we don't let go of things? Sometimes we'll relive those moments over and over and over again. That's why sometimes I just don't like photo albums. You ever go to somebody's house, bro, remember this? I'm like, dang, what in the heck was this? <laughs> That's you? <laughs> and you're looking at them and like, no. <laughs> you clipped this out of a magazine. Because <laughs> how many know they always show you the best pictures? Yeah, bro, this is me. It's like, oh. <laughs> it's like, bro, breathe. <laughs> But how many know sometimes it's hard to let go of the past? How many know sometimes it's hard to let go of hurts? How many know sometimes it's hard to let go of parents? Ooh, all, the, all the ones that are with their parents, shh, don't, don't, don't say nothing. <laughs> I ain't offending my parents. <laughs> See, sometimes because of the disappointments of the past, uh, people fear to reach for anything that's higher. They don't want to look at disappointment. They don't want to face disappointment. Never realizing that Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You're a new person. How many know life doesn't always work out the way that we thought it should have worked out? Church, when I got kicked out of my fellowship, my first fellowship, our church was growing so fast. We were seeing miracle after miracle. I was putting people out of wheelchairs. Deaf ears were opening. Blind eyes were opening. Uh, cancer was dying. We had a lady with a tumor the size of an orange on her neck. It just completely dissolved in front of everybody. I'm even blown. I'm like, oh my God. And I'm the one praying for them. It blew my mind. It is crazy. But that's the God that we were serving. Our church was growing so fast. And then we're booted out of the, out of the fellowship. And, and we're like, oh my gosh, what now? I mean, no, life wasn't going the way I thought it was going to go. I thought we were going to crash and burn. 
Life doesn't always work out like it's going to. And disappointments that we face can alter the possibilities that God has in our lives. How many know we begin to set boundaries and say, God, I'll only go this far, but no more. You know what? On the other side, there's hurt. On the other side, there's pain. God, on the other side, there's disappointment. Trust me, I came from a fellowship. Our pastor at that time had 30-some churches out there, and at the end of the day, there's there only like three of us out left. You just don't know how much we love Pastor Omar and Letty. We don't, you guys just don't know how much we appreciate. When they grabbed onto us, you guys will accept this? <laughs> it was like, you almost want to cuddle up. <laughs> it's like a cabin. <laughs> and I'm sure there's people you're sitting here tonight. That you've had instances in your life when you look back and you can easily say, you know, it seems like my life is filled with disappointments. Let down. Anybody ever let you down? Anybody had a pastor let you down? A leader let you down? Some larger than others. Or certain things didn't work out. Anybody ever feel like a failure? How many ever had that moment of what could have been? Trust me, I lived it when I, that's why I said, I, when we were out there five years without headship, and man, we were just like, what could have been? What could have been? What could have, and after a while, you just get sick of it. Just, you just record it and you play it back. <laughs> it's much easier that way. <laughs> And God says, my destiny far exceeds what your could have been. Okay, let me say that again. God will say to you that my destiny for you now far exceeds what could have been in your mind. Because there are things that have altered my, uh, my possibilities, uh, but God will fulfill all possibilities. I'm saying that because I believe that there's people here that you've experienced letdowns or things that didn't work out the way you thought. And those views have trapped you in yesterday. And I'm wondering how many people there are that would never see the sunlight of tomorrow. I was blown away. I, I took a picture of the sun today and I sent it to my wife. Look, the sun. <laughs> it, it, it rains a lot in Washington. So I'm like, I'm sending it to everybody in our church. Look, the sun. <laughs> but there are people that never see the possibilities of tomorrow all because they live in the shadow of yesterday. See, secondly, you need to allow God to work the new. Because how many know Joshua that I just read had lived in the shadow of Moses? Isn't it amazing that the first thing that God speaks to Joshua is Moses, my servant, is dead. Am I the only one that got that? I don't know. 
The Lord wanted Joshua to recognize that the past was over. And so the message from God to Joshua is, it's time to move into your destiny. Your personal destiny. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. What I was doing through Moses, it's dead. That doesn't depend on you. What I was doing through him, through, through him doesn't alter what I want to do in your life. It's something new now. What I did for Moses, that's dead. It's done. Don't hinder. Don't live on that. It's time for you to move on to something new. See, this message focuses on possessing your tomorrow by seizing the promises and the patterns that are set for us in the Word of God. And embrace what God wants to do in your life. And I want to say to move into the new, you have to realize the past is gone. You know what one of my pasts was for many years? Listen, we, we were discipled for nine years before we got launched out into the harvest field. You know what the, the biggest challenge after five years? I, well, I guess we're not called. <laughs> People are coming. Oh, bro, you, go, you guys going out? No, we're not going out. Man. We've been here for stinking five years, six years now, seven years. What, why do you guys keep asking? Don't you lie? I'm so grateful that masks are gone because I can just talk and people can see facial expression. <laughs> but how many know there's disciples that get discouraged because they're not seeing what they, they think that they should be seeing? Wow. Pastor, I don't think you heard from God. Dude, if you don't feel the anointing in this church because of Pastor Omar, then you need to get saved. We're going to get an altar call after this. <laughs> well, uh, pastor's an anointing in here because of me. <laughs> can, I, can I tell you something? This is not in my notes. The anointing always flows through the headship and goes out to the church. That, that's a free one. You read all through the word of God, it always goes through headship and goes out to the church. All right, so there's an anointing because your pastor and, and, and let these, or your pastors have been faithful all these years right. and discipling. How many know that's our calling to disciple men and women? So here we go. Stay in the course that he's navigated us for your life. When you do this, you begin to encounter his promises. Now check this out. Whatever it is that has shaped your life until this moment, this is a quote, doesn't have any claim on where he's wanting to take you from here on. Whew. Let me read that again because I think that's pretty intense. Whatever it is that has shaped your life until this moment doesn't have any claim on where he is wanting to take you from here on. Listen, you have a destiny, but you have to believe it. It's in his word. So you know what that means? You can believe the word of God tonight and enter into all that he has for your life by believing it. 
Or you could wait 20 years and all of a sudden the light bulb comes on and I believe, but you just wasted 20 years. Listen, I've been saved 35 years. I've seen it, people just wasting their lives and all of a sudden the light bulb comes on and now they're on, they're on they can't, they, they don't have the energy that they used to have. But they waited all those years to believe something that has been true since the beginning of time. And I want to say, God's waiting for some to just rise up and wake up and say, God, I am ready to do what you call me to do. Listen to what the Word of God says to you and I. Here's, here's part of our calling, and then I'm going to get to the sermon. <laughs> this, is, this is our calling in Matthew 10, 7 and 8. And as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. And I want to tell you, when we grab that and say, that's mine, I'm going to go out there and cast me some devils. I'm going to go out there and lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. Church, I used to go into the closet and pray for hours, praying, God, you know what? If no one else does it, God, I pray, give me the, enable me to go out and just lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. And then I started praying, God, I want to be able to, to do what Peter did, grab someone that can't walk and pull them out of a wheelchair, and boom, lo and behold, I pull somebody out of a wheelchair. I didn't even ask, I just grabbed them in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. But you know what? Let's get technical. Really, what happened was, <laughs> I quoted it word for word. I said, silver and gold had I none, because I didn't have any silver or gold. <laughs> I said, but that which I have, I give to thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise and walk. I grabbed his arm and pulled him up, and he began to, to stumble, and he, began, he begins to walk. He begins to cry. His mom is weeping. His sister's weeping. Why? Because the power of God is real. He just wants, he just wants someone to believe. You see here, it was time for Joshua to move forward. And I want to look at this last part here. Because this is the life changer. How many ever gotten a word from God? How many ever had a prophecy, prophesy? That's it? Okay, there we go. All right. How many ever acted on it? See what I'm saying? Most people just hear the word. You know, in my church, they record that doggone thing and then begin to dissect it and go through it and and begin to, uh, okay, God, I'm doing it. I'm believing you. I'm not kidding you. They, they record, they'll put the dog on phone up in the... Like, they are recording every single syllable. Why? Because they want to get the whole word, go home, match it against the word of God, and begin to step out and believe it. How many know we're supposed to judge the words? We don't just say, oh, he gave me a word. Okay, don't get excited about it. Record it. And know what's happening. Okay, so here we go. Y'all ready? All right, Joshua 1.7. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Mo- Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn it to the right or to the hand, or to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. The promise, the promise was go into the promised land, right? Y'all with me? Yeah? yeah. Okay. 
And then verse three, I'm not gonna read it, but I, I literally took this seriously. I had just gotten saved and I was still in the Marine Corps and the first place that I go, two and a half months in uh, salvation, I get sent to Turkey. And so when I'm Turkey, I'm over there in Turkey, and I begin to live this word that, that every place the sole of your, your foot shall walk on, that land is yours to claim. And so I'm walking all over Turkey, every Istanbul. I am, Lord, I'm claiming this in the name of Jesus. In the name, I claim it right now by the power and the blood of Jesus. I am claiming it. You know, it's amazing when you take the word of God literal. I don't, worry, I, don't, I don't concentrate on theologians. Theologians get too deep and they ain't doing nothing. I know the word of God. Yeah, but what are you doing with it? Who cares that you know the word of God? Oh, brother, that's not what the word of God says. You know what? That's nothing to you, but to me, God's speaking to me. And my word says this. And I went out and I began to claim it. Even led somebody to Jesus while I was there. I was excited, man. But here the first command is be strong. Okay, y'all ready for this? Be strong. God told Joshua three different times, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous. So that word, be strong, comes from the word hazak. If I say it wrong, that's fine. I'm not, uh, 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 I don't speak uh, Hebrew or Greek. It's hazak in, in Spanish. <laughs> Y'all making me laugh, man. Y'all got to stop here. Okay, so that word hazak, hazak, hazik, hazak. <laughs> that word be strong. So now, if I was moving something in the church, how many know I'm going to go get Pastor Isaac? <laughs> and how many know I'm going to give him the heavier side? <laughs> and carry it. But how many know that's not what the word means? Be strong, and you know, you know, all of a sudden the power lifters come out. Oh, yeah, baby, that's me. God's speaking to me. <laughs> that word lay hold of when you begin, I'm sorry, Hazik, when you begin to study it in different portions where it's, it means to lay hold of strongly. So, what is Joshua laying hold of? The promise of going into the promised land. He said, lay hold of it. Okay, I want to settle down here for a minute because I want to really teach this part. Okay, so I'm going to lay hold of it strongly. And the issue doesn't have to do with a sense of strength, but it has to do with seizing, taking a hold of it. To lay hold, get a grip on it. And then be courageous comes from the word we must. And when you begin to study that, we start thinking courageous, you know, to be stout, to be strong, to be bold. That's, that does. That's what Strong's does, says. But you have to begin to look at history of it also. And what it means, it means to keep a firm grip on. So you seize the promise 
and you grab it and you get a hold of it. And he means don't go flabby. Don't get weak. Keep a hold on it. That once you have it, you don't let go. That no matter what happens in your life, this is my calling. This is my destiny. This is my salvation. God, your word says, you promise God, I'm not letting go. I don't care. I'm getting kicked. I'm getting beat up. I don't care. I am not letting go. Okay, are you with me? He said, don't get flabby. Don't. You get a good grip on this. Get a good grip on this. Don't get weak. That's what he's saying. How many know COVID showed a lot of weak Christianity? 60% of Christians left churches. Yes, I preach the truth. I could care less if people get offended. It does not matter. How many know if you're safe, you don't get offended because you're here? But he's saying, get a good grip. Are you all with me? So those two words, those few texts really is a be strong, be courageous. It's to lay hold of it, seize it, stand your ground, don't go soft. And we're saying, as you get a hold of your tomorrow, possessing our tomorrows is gaining perspective. It involves two things. Be strong, be courageous. Getting your mind to reach out. You know, I'm praying this morning. I, was, uh, I told a little bit of this uh, pastor in the office, but I already saw myself preaching here this morning as I'm praying. And I already saw God moving as I'm praying. Yes, I pray. <laughs> but getting that picture in your mind and laying hold of it and then not letting go. It's called steel will. Stand your ground See, our tomorrow are not navigated by iron will and your strength of character. How many know that could fail you? They're navigated in the strength of God fulfilling his word and people getting a hold of his word and, and, and being strong and holding on to it and not letting go. Now, y'all ready, ready for this? I got a couple minutes here. How many know you got to stay close to the word? Because that's what God said. Every word that Moses told you, right? And then in verse 8, he says uh, 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 that, that you shall prosper in this. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, uh, for then your way will be prosperous. Okay, so y'all ready for this? That word prosperous, how many know we immediately think of money? But that's not what the true means. So once again, you have to go back and begin to look at it. I know it, it, it means uh, 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 when you begin to look at this word, y'all ready for this? Okay, so be strong. Get a firm grip and courageous. Don't let go. All right? Y'all ready for this? Pro prosperous means. So, so let me stop here for a second. Remember, it's a promise that you're going to go, right? The promise of God was get a hold of it. Going, you're going into the promised land, right? Okay, so you're letting hold of it. You got a firm grip. And that word prosperous, prosperous means to push forward. Oh, my God. Y'all didn't get it. <laughs> Okay, 
You got a promise. Let me say, you, somebody, who, who got a word before? Who got a word before? You've got a lot of words, right? So you don't just, okay, I got it. No, you take that word. You hold on to it. You're not going to let go. And then what you do is you begin to push forward in that word. Lord, your word says I'm going to walk into my promised land if I lay hold of your word and allow it to work in my life. Is everybody getting this? He wants you to lay hold of the principles, the patterns, and the purity of the Word of God. And when we begin to lay hold of those promises, begin to push forward into all that God has for our lives. I'm embracing him. I'm embracing his promises. And I'm laying hold of my tomorrow. And I want to tell you one of my favorite scriptures in Matthew 11, 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent taken by force. You know what? People want to sit around and do nothing. Sit around. But I want to claim what God has for my life. I want to go ye into all the land and preach the gospel. I want to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. I've cast out demons. I had demons manifest over and over. When I was in Africa, I'm walking. People are falling over each other with demons, foaming at the mouth. They're coming out. We even had a floating witch floating around our, our, our camp. Can I tell you something? We have the same demons here, but we've given them titles mental illnesses. Alcoholics, ADHD, all these other labels that we put on them. We don't want to offend them. No, they got a devil. They got a demon. A homeless person walking around yelling at everybody. That's not mental. He's got a demon. And I want to say, you're their only hope of casting that sucker out. You're their hope. From the days of John the Baptist. So now, let me, let me summarize this here. Why? Was this promise given to Joshua for him? No, it was to, and here's our calling, to help others possess their tomorrows. My calling no longer is about my life. That's why Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And that's what God was telling Joshua in 1.6. He goes, your calling is to take these people of mine across into the promised land. And our job as Christians is to go out there and give hope to the hopeless world. To give hope to the people that are ready to commit suicide. As God enabled Joshua to possess his tomorrow, God wants to enable you and I to possess our tomorrow. You know, in Ephesians chapter 1, I think it's verse 6. I, I forgot to write it down, but that's fine. The Bible says that he has blessed us with every spiritual gift. We have it all. And even Jesus himself said, greater works shall you do. Shall you do. Because I'm going to my Father and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you when the Holy Spirit comes on you, I want to tell you if you could just rise up and begin to say, God, here I am. Use my life. God, I want purpose. I want meaning. God, I want to do great things for eternity. God, everything here is temporary. But God, I want more. I want more. I'm tired of sitting 
need a round. I want more. I want to tell you somewhere you got to get sick and tired of where you're at and say, God, I want more. Where's my promised land? Where's my promised land? God, I want to go into the promised land. No, one of my singers, I, I gave my, my singers liberty. I said, God speaking to you, you do it. And she gave a word to somebody that uh, she was getting ready to get surgery. She was in a sling, couldn't move her shoulder like this. She get, they get done with a song and there's a little lull in between the songs and she begins to prophesy over her. She begins to speak to God's healing you right now. I'm, I, she goes, I'm just stepping out in faith. I'm believing you, God, that you're gonna, and he said, God's healing you right now. God's healing you right now. And the lady starts taking off her sling and throws her arm up, and God completely healed her right there in service. So now I want to ask you in here, why not you? Why not you? Who's ready to say, God, here I am. Use my life. We are in the last days right now, and I want to tell you, God says, be strong. Get a hold of your, be courageous. Don't let go and be prosperous. Push forward into all that God has for your life. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.